Chapter Eighteen of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter Eighteen, Pettiness. Certain vices only mar, others lacerate and kill. Not one of them kills more surely than a petty disposition. Some weaknesses eat into the husk and bark of a man's life, but leaving the core untouched, they do not fatally interfere with his preaching. But pettiness is a sin which blasts life at its center and takes out of preaching the spirit which gives power. The Christian religion is nothing if not large. It spreads over us an infinite sky and throws around us horizons whose diameters cannot be measured. The men to whom it introduces us are large men, who revere the Maker, and who have fetched their eyes up to His style and manners of the sky. Their temper is heroic, their sympathy all-embracing, their spirit godlike. The ideals which hang before them shine as with the glory of celestial worlds, and the motives which fire and impel their hearts are lofty as those which move archangels. At the center of this immortal company stands the man of Galilee, from whose lips the minister must take his message, and from whose heart he must draw the inspiration by which he is to prevail with men. Only a man of magnanimous spirit can be loyal to such a master, and proclaim effectively so grand a message. A man with meager sympathies and stunted spirit may attempt to preach the gospel, but it will shrivel on his lips. No man truly preaches unless through him the truth can make its way, and if the channel is choked or narrowed, the man may go on talking, but a preacher he cannot be. A sermon is the lifeblood of a man baptized into the Spirit of the Lord, and every syllable of all he utters must have in it the weight of a full-statured, Christ-like man. It is only words thus weighted which are able to find the blood. The gospel from many a pulpit goes forth void, because proclaimed by too small a man. Pettiness sometimes manifests itself in penuriousness. Money stirs up strange fevers in the blood, and in some men it creates a parsimonious disposition, which is contemptible in any man, and doubly so in a minister. It is no excuse for him to say that his salary is small, and that therefore he must pinch and screw, and haggle over the price of everything he buys. Poor men can be large-minded in money matters if they will, and it is always possible to be economical without being mean. Men of ability have thrown away their influence with their people simply by the display of a picayunish, close-fisted disposition, which rendered them despicable to all who had financial dealings with them. Businessmen can no more receive the gospel from such a man than from the lips of a libertine or drunkard. Clergymen are as a class the most generous and self-sacrificing of all men, but if all secrets could be revealed, it would probably be discovered that many a man, while urging his people to be generous, has forgotten the value of the contribution box to his own soul. Pettiness takes many forms. It may crop out as envy, and envy means impotence and death. Who can stand before envy was a question propounded by the philosophers of Israel, and the answer is, no one, not even the man in whose heart the hateful sin has built its nest. 
It is rottenness in the bones, and any man afflicted with it will find his spiritual life crumbling down into a shapeless mass of ruins. Not all preachers can be equally talented or equally successful, and blessed is the man who can see his brother marching grandly on in advance of him, and join in the hosannas which proclaim his coronation. Envy is a sin of weakness, and whoever is guilty of it confesses his inferiority. It is a viper which cannot fasten on the soul of a man genuinely strong. The only deliverance from its poison is a new infusion of the blood of him to whom desire for preeminence was, and is, and ever shall be, ridiculous, and who is able to heal his heralds in these latter times as he cleansed his disciples in the upper chamber on that great night when he used the basin and the towel. This hankering for first place sometimes leads to something akin to insanity. It calls forth bursts of peevishness and childishness, which bring a blush to the cheek of every manly-hearted man who is called upon to witness them. Some men are so conscious of their own rights, and so punctilious in regard to the payment of a pound of deference which the world owes them, that half the time they are in a huff because someone has unwittingly slighted them or refused to pay them the last farthing of etiquette which was their due. The date of the invitation, the affixes and suffixes, the place on the program, the rank in the procession, these certainly are not matters of life and death, but some men make them such to their own condemnation and the chagrin of their fellows. This touchiness often increases with age, and men with gray hair are sometimes guilty of a crotchety and morbid insistence on trifles which stirs up in sensible people both anathemas and tears. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it can be found in the way of righteousness, but when it is found in the way of babyishness, the gray hair is only a bleached dunce-cap on the head of a fool. Some men cross the dead line in the pulpit early because they become in their interior life so insufferably petty and foolish. It was Goethe who said that as we grow older it is difficult to remain as wise as we were. Occasionally this miserable disposition develops the poison of malice. The slight is too serious to be overlooked, the insult is too keen to be forgiven, and so the miserable man goes on preaching the New Testament with an unforgiven wrong rankling in his heart. Of all wretched mortals none is more to be pitied than the minister of Christ who attempts to preach the gospel with a quarrel on his conscience not yet made up, and an enemy on his heart not yet forgiven. Such a spirit curdles the milk of the word, and reduces every sermon to a mockery. The poor man cannot open the New Testament without reading there his condemnation. He cannot read the Sermon on the Mount without stumbling over, Leave thy gift before the altar, go and be reconciled to thy brother. He cannot read Peter's question, Lord, how oft shall my brother offend me, and I forgive him? For the Lord's answer will loom up before him, terrible as Elijah before Ahab at the gate of Naboth's vineyard. He cannot read Paul without receiving such dagger thrusts as, Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He cannot read John's letters without being stricken down with such bludgeons as, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He cannot even join his people in repeating the Lord's Prayer 
without being dragged to the judgment bar by forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors a minister of the gospel of love who has an enemy whom he is unable or unwilling to forgive ought to repent or resign end of chapter eighteen